You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. At Acacia Grove, he instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. Now, you pardon me if I observe that this is deliberately and intentionally written in this way because it is humorous. There is something strange about this passage, isn't there? He sends them in to spy out the land like two teenagers going on a school tour to Amsterdam. You're supposed to go and look at Anne Frank's house, but where do they head? Straight to the red light district, looking for intelligence. Think about it, lads. This is what the scripture says. You kind of have to face it. Some people, well, they went there now because they were. No, they went there. They went straight to her house. That's where they went. They got to the city of Jericho. They got inside. And they weren't very good at spying. They didn't ask any questions. They didn't get any intelligence in particular. They didn't get anything really good information. They went straight to the house of a prostitute whose house was up on the wall of the city of Jericho. And they weren't that good at spying because it says, but someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. And so the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come into your house for they have come here to spy out the whole land. Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, yes, the men were here earlier, but I don't know where they were from. And she sends them off on a wild goose chase. And so these two spies, who were supposed to kind of blend in and kind of make it look like they really belong and get some information, actually stand out like a sore thumb. Because the minute they get to the city, the king hears about it. Guess who's here? They come in and they make a beeline and they stand out. They're not exactly living a great life of subterfuge and intrigue. They stand out like a sore thumb. And so Rahab takes a huge risk. She takes a huge risk because the king sends orders, the king of Jericho. Jericho is locked up at this stage. Just bear with the story. It's locked up at this stage. Nobody's free to come and go other than with the orders of the king. That's how it worked in siege situations. So the city is locked up and she takes a huge risk. She decides to cover up for the spies who were coming to overthrow her city. And she lies to the king. And she sends, she deceives the king, she consorts with enemy spies, she covers up for them and helps them escape, which we'll see in a few seconds, and she takes these enormous risks. Why would she take such enormous risks? There's going to be risks ahead in your life, brothers and sisters. In every one of our lives there's going to be risks coming up. And those risks will require us to exercise faith. I love what Soren Kierkegaard, he's a Danish philosopher and theologian, he wrote this. He said, without risk there is no faith. And the greater the risk, the greater the faith. Without risk there is no faith. There's no faith involved in living a super protected, comfortable, safe life. 
There is no faith involved in taking no social risks, in not stepping out or standing out as a Christian. There's no risk involved. There's no faith involved. There is no faith involved in knowing exactly what track your life is going to take for the next 30 years while you just have to play out the tape. There is no risk involved in that, so therefore there's no faith involved in it. But the greater the risks we take in our lives, the greater the faith we need to take those risks. But why did she make these risks? Why did she take these risks? Well, let's go back to the story back in Joshua chapter 2. It said, the men left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went, she said. You hurry and you can probably catch up with them. Actually, she'd taken them up on the roof and hidden them beneath bundles of flax she had laid out. And so the king's men went looking for the spies along the road, leading to the shallow crossings of the Jordan River. She sent them packing, deceived those people who were pursuing them, sent them packing, sent them off in an opposite direction. In doing so, she would have risked her own life, risked her family's life, risked her household, risked absolutely everything. And she did it in faith but was her faith blind faith are we being asked as Christians when we take faith risks to make blind faith risks I'm telling you we're not being asked to make blind faith risks what we're being asked to do is look around us and to listen to the words of God and the words of those around us and hear what has happened in their lives to hear what has occurred in their souls and in their experiences to give us strength and faith for what may happen in ours meanwhile back at the ranch the story continues before the spies went to sleep that night Rahab went up on the roof to talk to them I know the Lord has given you this land, she said. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the, for the, through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. You see, it wasn't blind faith. She'd heard the stories. She knew what was going on. And she goes on to say this. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage... To fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and of the earth below. Hallelujah. You see, she had heard. She had heard the stories. She'd heard what the Lord had done for the Israelites. She listened to the lives. She listened to the stories of what God was doing. And she knew that they were powerful. She knew that God was with them. She knew that something, something was going on in the heart and soul of Rahab that knew A, her number was up, and B, if she didn't change sides, she was going to be in trouble. She goes on to say to the spies, Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters and all their families. She, she not only takes the risk for herself, she does it for her extended family. Now guys, we read all of this story with the benefit of hindsight. We know what happens next. She didn't know what was going to happen next. The spies didn't even know what was going to happen next. You don't know what's going to happen next in your life. You just don't know. It may be wonderful and glorious and angels singing, praise God if it is, but it may be difficult and testing and trying. 
And praise God if it is. Because it will be time to grow your faith. They make her a promise. We offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety, the men agreed. If you don't betray us, we will keep our promise and be kind to you when the Lord gives us the land. You see, she wasn't only risking with the king and the authorities in the city of Jericho. She wasn't even risking just her family. She was taking a risk that these two spies who had been in her house, were actually going to honour their word. Remember, they're a conquering army. They're not necessarily known for fulfilling their promises, if you know what I'm saying. They make her a promise, but who knows? Are they going to double-cross her? If she's double-crossed, she's dead anyway. And she looks at the situation with a very intelligent and rational thing. I like the idea that the spies come as being the crack troops of intelligence, but it's actually Rahab turns out to be the intelligent one. She's the smart one. She's quick-witted. She's on her feet. She knows what's going on, but moreover, something's going on in her heart. And she knows that God is on the move. And that's what's saving her. That's what's saving her. I love what Paul writes in Romans. And he says this. He says, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Would anyone say amen? Amen. For he says, it is by believing with your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. You see, for me, my faith is a very private thing. No, your faith is not a very private thing. It is always personal, but never private. That's the truth of it. Because you will not be saved if it remains a private. The secret believers, unless you live in Saudi Arabia... Which I wouldn't recommend to anyone. Unless you live in Saudi Arabia, if you live in Ireland, people should know you're a Christian if you're a Christian. Would anyone say amen? Amen. It's that simple. Like It really is that simple. If you openly declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. Does anybody here want to be saved? Lava suas, let a hull. Put your hand up. Oh yes, I I, I assume you do guess. We want to be saved. And this is how, this is Paul, Paul spells it out. It's the same for the bold uh, Rahab. She confesses with her mouth. She believes in her heart that God is God. She confesses with her mouth. I know that God has given you this land. I know that we're all doomed. I know the whole place is finished because of what's going on in your, of what's going on with your God and what he's doing. And she confesses and she believes and she is saved. She effectively becomes an Israelite there and then just by believing. But she's still got a huge journey to go in her life. She's taken enormous risks. Literally, life and death. Now, very few of us here in this hall will make life and death decisions about our faith. Very few of us here will ever face the executioner's sword by the grace of God. Very few of us. But for her, it was literally life and death. You see, our lives can be going along just fine and everything can go well. But there will come a moment, if you will, there will come a moment of truth in all of our lives. There'll come maybe for some lives many moments of truth. That moment when everything that you believed is about to be tested. When, that moment when everything you're standing on is going to be shaken. And for her, that was literally the case. Because if you return to the story in Joshua chapter 6, it records that on the seventh day, 
as the Israelites marched around. So on the seventh day, they're marching around the city of Jericho. And Rahab has gathered all her family, all of her relatives, into her house. She must have had a fairly decent house. We don't know how long they were in there because they weren't shown the timeline. So were they in there a week? Were they in there two weeks? We don't know the period of time between the spies and the fall of the city. So I guarantee you they were in there at least a week when the marching started around the city. So they're inside there and they're waiting and nothing is happening. And I can imagine, you know, Uncle Ernest is saying to Rahab, like, are you cutting me or what? What are we doing cooked up inside here? We're, we're finished if this house falls down. We're all going to die if this house collapses on top of us. And what are we doing? We're all cooped up and people are getting in each other's way and they're elbowing each other. Nobody can sleep properly and everybody's getting cranky and Rahab is beginning to wonder, I hope this is all going to work out. And they're there one day, two day, three day, get to the sixth day. And now Uncle Ernest is, you know, Uncle Ernest, he's bad breath and he tends to kind of, you know, he tends to be a bit flatulent as well. And he's, you know, the whole place is cooked up and the smell, there's no decent food left and the water's gone stale and they're all held up inside in this house. And then on the seventh day, there's a noise. There's a noise of the sounding of trumpets. And as they're standing inside in the house, looking out, possibly looking out the window, because there was a window there, they're looking out the window and suddenly there's a noise. And then there's a mighty shout from the army walking around the city. And this is their moment of truth, brothers and sisters. And for you, there will be a moment of truth. The question is, will you stand the test of faith in the moment of truth? Because as they're standing there, suddenly something begins to shake. The room begins to rattle. The, ho the house that they're in literally begins to physically shake. And the noise is starting to get louder and louder. And they can see outside billows of dust as the walls, the mud-caked walls, of the city begin to collapse down around them and things will begin to rattle and the furniture is shaking and they're standing there and the whole thing is shaking like being stuck in an earthquake and stuff is falling over and it's being damaged it's falling on the ground and Uncle Ernest is saying well, it's going to collapse on top of us it's going to collapse on top of us and the whole place is shaking and rattling and bits of plaster are falling off the wall and the ceiling is beginning to collapse above their head and Rahab is standing there going oh no what have I done I've trapped us all inside this building we're all going to die and then suddenly the rattling stops and it's followed by a loud shout of a war cry. Ah! We don't know, remember we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Don't know what they shouted, but they shouted something. And next thing they hear outside, the sound of conquest. They hear the sound of people being killed. And they hear the sound of sword fighting going on. And they hear the sound of battle outside. And we don't know how long this goes on for. But this is for sure, Rahab's risk is now being tested. Now her faith is being tested. And for you in your life, there will come a day when your house is being shaken. In actual fact, I want to say prophetically to some who are even here this morning, that your house has recently been shaken or will be shaken shortly. That your house is going to be shaken, whether that's your residential house, that your house maybe may come up for grabs, maybe there's going to be a change in landlord, I don't know. Or for some of you here, it may be your household itself is going to be shaken. Something's going to happen in your household and that is going to be the test of faith to you. Will you stand the test then? And the moment of truth comes and then the sounds of battle go on outside and they're all cooked up and everybody has fallen into silence because they're all afraid. Brothers and sisters, it's okay to be afraid sometimes. Especially when trouble comes. Fear is the appropriate response when there's something to be afraid of, okay? If the, I, I don't, I, you see these fellas driving around in the cars and up in the back of the cars it says, no fear. And they say, no brains as well. <laughs> no fear. Because they're all afraid. And then it comes. There's a bang on the door. 
there's a bang on the door and everyone takes a breath they hold their breath and everybody looks at Rahab because she's the only one that they might recognize and so Rahab has to go over and open the door and she grabs the door but it gets stuck because the frame is after twisting and the door is stuck in it and she says hang on a second I'm just opening it open up come out all of you one minute and the door swings open and there standing before her are the faces of the two spies that she hid and sent away and they said come on we're taking you to safety and her risk pays off the risk she takes pays off she didn't know what was coming she didn't know where the wall was standing, how this was all going to play out. But she trusted in God and she took a risk. Here's what it says. The men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers and all of her relatives with her. And so she was freed, literally freed from this situation. Why? Because she took the risk of faith. Are you willing to take a risk of faith? You see, when I talk about risks, what am I talking about? What about a social risk? What about telling your friends that you're a Christian, you go to church? What about telling your workmates that you're a Christian, you go to church and tell them that you love Jesus Christ? What about taking a financial risk? You give finances into church. What about the risks you take of denying yourself comforts and pleasures that you could have if the money that you gave in tithes and offerings wasn't given to the, to the house of the Lord, it wasn't given to the Lord, you could spend it on yourself? What about the time risk you take? The one short life you have, you spend it in church. Isn't that a risk? Aren't you going, Lord, this is an act of faith? Isn't putting your money into the box, isn't that an act of faith? Isn't declaring before your friends and neighbours and colleagues that, you know, that you're a believer, isn't that an act of faith? Rahab is mentioned a couple of times further on in the story. In the New Testament, she's mentioned three times. And every time she's mentioned, she's mentioned with the little title on it. But it's powerful because she's only one of two women mentioned in the book uh, of Hebrews. And she's also mentioned in the book of James. Here's what it says. In James it says, Rahab the prostitute is another example of right living is what he gave the example of. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them away safely by a different road. She was shown to be right. And I love it. It says, Rahab the prostitute. Like, this is 3,000 years. This is now 3,000 years later. This is at least 1,000 years after these events. And they're still describing her as Rahab the prostitute. Why? Because it stands out. That's why. It wasn't Rahab the goody-goody two-shoes girl who was really nice and the Lord blessed her. No. It was because she was redeemed. That's why. Here's what it says in Hebrews. It says, it was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God. For she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Here she's listed amongst all the heroes of faith in the New Testament. Here she's listed in Hebrews chapter 11, one of the most important chapters in the New Testament. She's listed, but she's still listed as a prostitute. And you know, sometimes we can go around and still have something, a little label attached to us that relates to our past. And I can imagine that if Rahab was alive, she would have said, enough already with the prostitute quack, because I'm not a prostitute anymore. She went on and she married a man called Salmon, or Salmon, Salmon. She married this man. So she said, I'm not a prostitute anymore. And why do you keep on calling me a prostitute? Do you know what? I'll tell you what. Do you know what? 
What you were doesn't matter to God. It's what you are in him that matters to God. And what you're becoming by the power of his Holy Spirit, that's what matters to God. No matter what tag or title, whether you are Shawnee the alcoholic, or Jerry the embezzler, my apologies to any Jerry's, you aren't an embezzler at all, I can assure you that. Jerry the embezzler, Michael the thief, Sean the lawyer. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter what that tag says because who you were doesn't matter. It's who you are now in God that matters. And the reason, she, how, did, how did she become that person? By taking the risks of faith that changed her life. Now what exactly did she succeed in doing by taking that risk? One, she saved her life. Two, she saved the lives of her entire family. Now if you do the maths, which I'm not going to ask you to do, but that's 3,000 years ago. So thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people were saved as a result of her decision. Travelling down the generations were saved because of her risk of faith. How many people could be saved in your family if you took a risk of faith and stepped out in faith? And I don't mean stupid faith and I don't mean blind faith, but I mean taking a risk of faith by declaring who you are. By speaking God's word in situations, by trusting God to live the way that he tells us to live, these are all risks of faith. How many people? Another thing that happened to her, the trajectory of her whole life was changed. Until she ended up, until she ended up, the trajectory, she went from being a prostitute to being part of the most blessed bloodline in the history of humanity. She became part of the bloodline, the human bloodline of Jesus Christ himself. Matthew chapter 1 verse 5 records that Salmon was part, her husband was part of that bloodline. It says Salmon who was married or whose wife was Rahab. Interestingly in that list she's not called a prostitute. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you willing to take a risk of faith? Hmm. You see, for some of you this morning, this is a very, very real moment in time. Right now, you're having to make choices and you're having to make decisions. I'll tell you two things I'd like to pray for in a second. One, when your life is shaken, and it will be shaken, when your house is shaken, I want to pray that you will stand that test and say, Lord, if my life is shaken and my home is shaken, give me the strength to stand the test. That might be where you are right now. It might be where you are right this very moment. For others of you here, you know that there's something going on in your life and you have a decision to make even right now. And it'll take risk, it'll involve faith for you to make that decision. I want to pray that you would have the power, the strength and the ability to make and take those risks of faith. Would anyone say amen? amen. I want to just finish with this one last thought and it's only a thought. I was on holidays recently over in uh, Malta in the summer and uh, we went to this place that was near where we went on holiday a place called St. Peter's Pool, a very holy place St. Peter was there and everything and uh, so we went to St. Peter's Pool and at St. Peter's Pool, the great thing about St. Peter's Pool is my, my teenage sons absolutely loved it because it was a place where you could jump in, you know, you could jump off these big heights, so the highest jump there is, it was about, about 6 metres about 18 feet to jump in and, and, and when I got there and saw these people jumping in, I mean everybody was like about 22, I was like literally like 
an old age pensioner, you know, standing there looking at all these people. They were all kind of ripped and I was there kind of heavy belly standing, looking at these people in my little teeny weenies and my shorts standing looking at it. And so my sons all went over. I know my Rory's here is going to kill me, but all my sons were, and they start jumping into the water from like six meters up and they're doing flamingo dives and swan dives and they're going sideways and pirouettes and twists. And of course, eventually the question is, Dad, when are you going to jump in? Like, come on, jump in. Actually, one of the best moments was when we were standing there at the pool and there was a group of Egyptian or Turkish people actually had gotten there and one of the guys jumped in and as he jumped in he shouted, Hello, Akbar! <laughs> and everybody went, <gasps> <laughs> I didn't shout that, okay, just for the record. So I went to the edge of the standing and it's like the water is a long way down there like you know and if you actually count it in feet my head is another six feet above that like come on this is a long way down and I stood there and I walked up to the edge and I walked back from the edge and then some 20 year old went past me and just dove straight in like this and I went back up to the edge and I looked and, and one, of, one of my lads was inside in the water like, come on there what's the matter with you like it's a long way down I'm an old dog and this is a new trick and I'm standing there and I'm thinking about it but all the time literally I physically could feel the butterflies and the tension in my body and it was oh, I just need to go to loo and you know there was just so much going on for me and I'm looking at the water and everybody's so happy to jump in every so ah they're having a great time and I'm going if this is so great why am I not happy <laughs> but I really felt what I would describe as fear because every now and again I have a dream that I'm falling Right? I literally have these dreams that I'm falling. Does anybody? No, I'm not going to ask you. I have dreams that I'm falling. And somebody said, you know, you know what that means? It means, I said, you know what it means? It means I don't want to fall. <laughs> Hello? But I don't like kind of flying through the air with nothing attached to me type thing, you know? So I stood there and I had this knot in my stomach and I was really afraid and I was just really bricking it. But eventually I said, it's all or nothing. I have to do this. Because if I don't do this, my children will say, t -t -t chicken. And they'd be right. And all the Egyptian fellas who were kind of sitting there in their teeny weenies with their ripped bodies smoking the cigarettes going, stupid whitey. And I'm very brown, as you know, like. So here's pink skin Mickey, and he's standing up there, like, in his teeny weenies, getting ready to jump in. But you know something? Eventually, I had to jump. Eventually, you'll have to jump. But it isn't until you jump that you go, wow, this is amazing. You see, lads, I don't want to live in a strapped-in thermos flask blanket across my knees life. That's not the life I want to live. I want to live that brings life. I want to take a risk. I want to take a chance. I want to take a jump. Who's willing to take the jump? Will you stand with me? We're going to sing. Without the risk, without the chance, there is no joy. I like the way one writer said it. He said, without risk, there is no faith. Without no faith, there is no power. Without power, there is no joy. And without faith, we can't please God. So we must take risks. If you want to live the full life, you must take risks. Let's close our eyes just for a second. I'm going to pray right where you're standing, so I'm not going to call anybody up. We're going to close with a song in a second. I'm going to ask you, 
If you're here this morning and you realize either that your house has been shaken even as we speak, that things relationally in your house are being thoroughly, thoroughly shaken, or that you realize that there could be a shaking coming to your life and you want to say, Lord, will you give me the strength to stand when my life is shaken? Will you give me the faith to stand when my life is shaken? Would you raise your hand? I'm going to ask you to keep your hand in the air just for a moment. Just keep your hand in the air. I'm going to ask you another question. It's very simple. This. Would you be willing to put your hand up and say, Lord, I want to take risks of faith for you. I want to know the joy of what it feels like to take a risk of faith for you. I want you to give me the strength to take the risks of faith, to step out socially, physically, to step out. Would you raise your hand? Because no risk, no reward, brothers and sisters. No risk, no reward. I want to pray. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we come before you this morning with all of our lives. We don't know what's going to come. No more than Rahab knew what was going to come. No more than the spies knew what was going to come. No more than our family knew what was going to come. We don't know what is coming to our lives, Lord. But we know this, every life is shaken. Every life is shook. Every life is sifted, Lord. And I pray this morning that we as your people would stand the test when our lives are shaken. Would anyone say amen? Lord, I pray you would give us the strength, Lord, to stand and still declare that God is good all the time, regardless of when our lives are shaken. That we can stand the test and say, our God will provide when our lives are shaken. That we can stand and say, our God will defend and protect us when our lives are shaken, Lord Jesus. I pray for those this morning who are literally in that situation. Lord, would you give them a bounty of your grace. Lord, give them a bounty of your grace. Give them a bounty of your power to withstand this test, this trial, this shake, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. And Lord, for the rest of us, Lord, we really do want the rewards. Help us be willing to take the risks, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray this morning for all of us that we would continue to take and continue to make the risks of faith, Lord. The ones where we own our faith publicly, Lord. Where we dedicate our time and our energy and our lives to your work and to your kingdom, Lord. I pray, Lord Jesus, your blessing would fall upon us, Lord, as we take those risks, Lord Jesus. Even this week, Lord, when we open our mouth to speak, when we decide in our hearts, when we lift up our hands or our feet to action in your name, Lord, I pray you would bless us and go before us and give us the faith to take those risks, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name of God's people said, Amen. We're going to sing the song. I will build my life. But I'm going to close in prayer just before we do that. Can I ask everyone, would you raise your hands collectively? Our closing prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that when we go out the door, we don't know what faces us, but you do. Lord, I thank you that nothing about our lives is unknown to you, Lord. We ask your blessing fall upon our lives in this coming week, Lord. We pray, Lord Jesus, that your protection would go before us, Lord. Your angels would surround us and protect us, Lord Jesus. And Lord, that you would save us. Save our families, Lord Jesus. Save our children. Save our children's children. Our brothers and sisters, Lord. Move mightily in their lives, we pray this week. In Jesus' mighty name and God's people say, Amen. Praise God. God bless you, brothers and sisters. Don't forget our 
our baptisms take place here at 12 o'clock or at 1 o'clock here in the next service. If you can, do come back and support the brothers and sisters being baptized. Otherwise, tea and coffee being served upstairs. We're here again on Tuesday night. God bless you and go with you.